Denmark and Italy are moving on to the quarterfinals. The first two matches of the round of 16 completed. Jimmy Conrad is here to break down both matches. Plus, we'll preview Sunday as Netherlands take on Czech Republic and Belgium take on Portugal. I'm Lisa Roman filling in today for the wonderful Luis Miguel Echegaray. And Kay Galazzo begins right now. Welcome to Kay Galazzo. Day one of the round of 16 action. It just wrapped up. So much to break down. Joining us today, the one, the only, Jimmy Conrad. Oh, Jimmy. wow. What an introduction, Lisa. It's great to do this with you. With all due respect to Luis, this is the Lisa. This is the L that I really wanted to hang with. Just kidding, Luis. We love you. Oh, we love you, Luis. We miss you today. <laughs> Shoes to fill, but I'm here. Jimmy's here. Uh, we're talking the knockout stages. They don't, they don't call them this for nothing. Who's going home and who's staying in after today? Denmark and Italy moving on to the quarterfinals. Jimmy, we have to start with that Italy-Austria game. Mm -hmm. Italy uh, setting the national unbeaten record of 31 matches for them scoreless after the 90 minutes. Then Austria's goal in the second half called back. Mm -hmm. the, then the first overtime, Italy notching those two goals. Austria getting a goal which snaps Italy's 11-game shutout streak. Italy remained victorious at the end of it all. I mean, after those first 90 minutes, 0-0, zero, zero, um, what did you think? What did you think of the, the regulation play we saw? Yeah, first things first, I want to commend Austria for getting to the knockout rounds for the first time in their history in the European Championships, the first time they've been in the knockout rounds of a major competition since the 1954 World Cup. So that in itself is an achievement. I want to give them the old GG, a good game for that. I think that's really important to state right from the get-go. I thought defensively they were spirited. I thought they were dropping kind of deep and absorbing a lot of pressure, which was to be expected given how well Italy has played. And I probably, if I was the manager of Austria, kind of prepared my team in the same type of way. Just, just absorb, absorb, you know, block passing lanes. Don't make it easy for the Italians. Don't let them have the gaps of space that maybe they've been used to in the previous group stage games. And I thought Austria put themselves in a good position to steal that game, Lisa. And they almost did it with that goal that got called off. Unfortunately, it's a game of inches at times. And from the Italian perspective, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I think if we look back at any winner of any competition, they've always had one game that maybe they won that they didn't deserve to win. And this could be the Italians game. So we'll see, obviously, how far they're going to go as they continue. They're going to play the winner of Belgium, Portugal, which is not going to be easy. And then potentially France in the semis. And then, you know, a whole host of other top nations. It, it in, only in gets harder from here. It, it, you're right. You're exactly right. So my big question, though, for Roberto Mancini was whether he got his starting lineup right. Locatelli, for me, was one of the best players in the group stages. Verratti played that last game against Wales and looked good. I don't want to take anything away from Verratti. And obviously, pound for pound, when we see him play for PSG and Locatelli for Sassuolo, you're going to go with Verratti more often than not. But Locatelli was so good. That must have been a hard conversation to have with him as a manager. Be like, hey, listen, just going to go with Verratti, going to go with the experience. Verratti didn't look 100% to me. So I would have rather have had 100% Locatelli than a 75%. Verratti, who I didn't feel like had as much impact than I, that I expected him to have. So there was that, that I thought maybe he got that wrong, but it didn't matter. They still got the results and fair play to the Italians. They scraped by, they got a good result and they decided to play with some urgency in extra time. Yeah. The overtime started and two goals from the Italians, um, mm -hmm 
pretty quickly, I'd say 95th minute and one 105th minute. Um, but they did concede a goal. So how uh, was it just the urgency in the overtime and not wanting to get to penalties or really what changed honestly for both these teams? Cause Austria got the goal in, in the overtime. So what changed when they went into the overtime? Yeah, good question. So what I would say is as much flack that I'm giving Mancini, he did get his subs right because both subs that came on scored. So you had uh, Chiesa come on and he makes an immediate impact, terrific composure in the box. And then uh, Piscina comes on and same thing, really good composure in the box, good tidy finish under a lot of pressure. And that was a difference. And so when I see that, Lisa, what I think is Italy has more depth than Austria has. And like I said, with, with regard to Austria at the beginning, you can only absorb and play that style for so long. At some point, you have to stretch. At some point, you have to take that risk. And because they didn't go get that result and things didn't work out for them in regulation, for them to do it again and continue to absorb for 30 more minutes and hoping you get that one chance that could help you win the game, that was always going to be a tall order once it hit extra time. And I think that the Italians smartly approach extra time in the right way, which is we need to run at these guys 100 miles an hour. They are tired. We have some fresh legs. Let's try to get maybe those guys isolated who are fresh in 1v1 situations and see what happens. And that's ultimately what's the difference. And until Austria can really match the depth that the Italians have, it's always going to be a struggle for them in those types of situations. Jimmy, you touched on this briefly, but um, Italy moving on. They'll face either Portugal or Belgium. You're, you're giving uh, some beef there on the starting lineup. So <laughs> what do you want to see? I mean, if you take a look at Portugal and Belgium, you know what those teams have to offer. And either one that you're going to face as an Italian team is going to put you under a lot of pressure with a lot of strong talent on the other side. So for you and the uh, Italian step into the Italian head, head coaching seat there, what do you want to see from the lineup? I think it's going to really come down to the midfield. I think there are, well, God, man, actually, can I, can I take that back? Because, because the Belgian back line for me isn't great. They're good. They're solid defenders. Two of them are from Spurs. So you never know with those oh. two guys. But okay, maybe it's too soon for the Spurs jokes. But I will say that, they, that if you have any vulnerabilities, any places that you could punch a hole in and say, ah, that's a space where they could get better, it would be the back line for Belgium. And I think his choices for his front three are going to be interesting. Do you go with Berardi again? Maybe didn't have as much of an impact today. I thought Austria did a very good job of stacking up the wings so that Italy couldn't gain those numerical advantages out wide. Chiesa, maybe he gets the start this time against Belgium. He can run at that back line a little bit more than maybe Berardi does or comes inside a little bit more than Berardi does. And then on the other side was Insigne. Did he really make much of an impact? You know, he's obviously a tremendous player and when he gets in and around the box, but, but maybe you start somebody else there instead. Immobile, not as much. Belotti obviously came in. I think Immobile will probably still start. And then in midfield, Verratti versus Locatelli, obviously. But when I look at who could win the midfield, we got Kevin De Bruyne for, for Belgium. You have a Portugal team that has, I can name six guys that are very, very good. Could be Bruno Fernandes. I don't think he's going to start against Belgium, by the way. I do think Matinho will continue to get the start. So, so... Yeah. So, so with Jorginho sitting in front of that back four for Italy, who does he partner with? And I think you might want to look at somebody that's willing to do more of the defensive work than I'm not saying Verratti won't do it, but, but will Locatelli do it in a way that, that blends well with Jorginho. So th those are the questions for me, the back four, then a chair beat. He got the start because Chiellini's hurt. If Chiellini's healthy, I think you plug him back in next to Benucci and you just kind of go with that pairing that play their club football together as well at Juventus. So yeah, there's a couple things there, but ultimately, I think ident uh, identity-wise, I think Italy know who they are.
Well, Italy moving on today over that win, sending Austria home. We'll see if they face Portugal or Belgium. We're going to take a quick break. Then we'll talk about the Denmark victory over Wales. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Kay Galazzo alongside Jimmy Conrad. I'm Lisa Roman. Jimmy, the first match of today featured a dominant win for Denmark over Wales. Four Nil. Denmark gets the first knockout stage victory in 29 years to the day. <laughs> impressive, impressive. Dutch fans making a big impact in Amsterdam. It's an emotionally driven game for the Danes. And it, what did you see today? I thought the biggest, uh, and I said, could I actually, I'm going to start here. I came on the pod or I went on HQ. I can't remember. It's, it's all blends together. But I said that Denmark would win to nil. And I said that, and it happened plus 190, just to throw it out there. I said that Did because- Did you put money down? Did you put money down? I, I didn't because okay. I had about 50,000 lines to get out and pre- <laughs> preview for. And I'm always like, which one do I go with? Hey, but this you one, still got it right. This one though, I should have put money down because I felt really good that the Danes weren't really being respected defensively when they have been so good on that side of the ball, both in Nations League and in World Cup qualifying. So, you know, the Finland game, you got to throw out because of the Christian Eriksen thing. They played against Belgium. They were up 1-0, and you knew Belgium were going to wear them down at some point, but I still feel like there was some emotional emotional attachment to still the Christian Eriksen thing. And then the last game against Russia, even though they gave up a goal, they scored four. They tried a new formation. They left the back four and went into a back three with two wingbacks. And because they had success against Belgium in a back four and primarily through their qualifying stuff, and, and because they had success against Russia scoring four goals with the back three, I thought, I don't know who they're going to... Who, what, which, which formation are they going to start today? And I actually think that played into their advantage because I'm sure Rob Page, the interim manager for Wales and, and the Welsh team, didn't really know what to prepare for either. And I thought that played into it. And I knew that Denmark would take advantage of that. And I just think they have that something to prove. We, 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 we just happy to be here now kind of vibe because of the whole Christian Eriksen situation and just trying to focus on the positives. And sometimes you get that, that perspective. Hey, man, we're just out here to have fun. It's not life or death. We know we saw that. And, and that's what matters. So let's just go out there and have some fun. And I think they're playing with that type of energy that could be hard for other teams to replicate because they didn't live through that situation. So that said, they started with the back three and they scored four goals. Two games in a row, they go with a back three, Lisa, and they go score back-to-back four goal games. I think something's working for them there, huh? Something is definitely <laughs> working. And they're not a team I would want to face. Now they'll have the winner of Netherlands, Czech Republic. I think the Dutch will get through. And that Dutch-Denmark game, will be uh, very, very, very good. I don't want to take any, anything away from Czech Republic. Who knows? They got Patrick Schick. He scores bangers for fun. So 
What I thought they did well was I think they started a formation that they bought into and they scored early. Casper Dolberg scored a very good goal to kind of unlock that pressure and get that belief going that they can do it. And that they just really all over them. I don't feel like Wales had too much going the other way. I know Gareth Bale had something a little bit early, but it just seemed like Denmark, they feel like somewhat of a team of destiny. You referenced that knockout round game from 29 years. For everybody that needs a history lesson, back in 1992, the Euros in 92, Denmark didn't qualify. Yugoslavia, though, did qualify. They had to back out. The Danish players, Lisa, when they got the call, they thought they were already on holiday. They were at the beach. They're probably smoking cigarettes, drinking beers, all type of stuff. They get the call that they're actually going to be in the tournament. And they leave the beach. They leave all that stuff. They go and play. They go on to win the 92 Euros when they didn't even qualify for it. There's, I'm not saying it's a like-for-like like vibe there, but there's something about this Danish team that I would be a little worried about. So it's interesting that uh, you bring up that in particular. But yeah, very impressed with Denmark. And like I said, whoever gets to face them in the next round should be worried. Post-game, Gareth Bale of Wales uh, asked by the media in, in his little post-game press conference if this was his last international competition. Uh, he walked off. I don't know if you saw that. He just left, um, which I, I mean, I get it. I wouldn't want to be asked that too after a 4-0 loss. But specifically from Gareth Bale, I mean, what, what kind of happened? I think people were expecting so much more from him and almost fell flat. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think that pound for pound... Denmark are a little bit better. I think if let's just leave the Christian Eriksen thing out of it. They're just, I think they're just a better team. I think that they're a little bit more balanced. There's a heavy reliance on just a few players to kind of generate all of their offense. And if you have a team like Denmark who probably smartly, or if they did smartly stacked him up a little bit and didn't give him that room to run, Bale loves to run. And if you give him that opportunity to take a couple yards with the ball, and now he's running at you with some speed, he becomes a lot harder to defend. And I thought Denmark did a good job of kind of suffocating that in some ways. And then obviously Gareth Bale, given where he is and what we've seen out of him over the last few seasons, it's up to him to decide how good he's going to be, right? And I think if he goes back to Madrid and decides to play for Ancelotti there, it's still going to be up to him. Like, how good do you want to be here? How do you want to end your career with this club and potentially your career in general? And these are big questions because it seems like he's been a bit distracted in a lot, of bit, uh, a lot of different ways. However, when he plays for his country, he does seem to step up and play well. And I thought he was pretty good in the group stages, all things considered. But when they ran into a team that can play a little bit, and this was what worried me, when Italy played against Wales, Wales were similarly stifled, where, okay, now we're actually playing a, another team. Like Turkey, Turkey were, tra uh, Turkey were trash. You know, like you, can't, you can't rate them there. Switzerland, they got outplayed by Switzerland, got lucky to get the 1-1 draw. So, this was not a Welsh team from that 2016 semifinal run where they kind of had what Denmark has at the moment. A little bit of that, 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 that fairy dust that gets sprinkled over the team where they think they can accomplish anything. Well, Denmark through, Italy through, Wales and Austria going home. Uh, more round of 16 action tomorrow. Actually, Netherlands, Czech Republic, Belgium versus Portugal. I mean, it, quick thoughts on these two games. Any lines you have for me? Quick, me and quick thoughts don't Never. go hand in hand, Lisa. You know that I like to talk. So really what I'm looking at, let's just get into the betting angles. I think yeah. Netherlands are going to win this. I think they have been quietly super impressive, maybe not even quietly. I've said it, I'll say it again. I'm not the biggest DeBoer fan, but Jeannie Vinaldum, excellent. Maybe my player of the group stages, Memphis Depay, solid. Danielle Mullen, who, if he's going to partner with him up top or Val Veghorst up top, they've got a nice vibe 
with whoever's up there and they're there. And Vinaldum joining the attack really makes a big difference. Dumfries in the back too has been solid. They gave up two goals only in the group stages and it was both to Ukraine. They were up 2-0 at that point and they relaxed. So they can, there are moments where they just have lapses in concentration. And I think that's where you can sting them. But if you don't hit them in those moments and Ukraine did, but they ultimately had a bad goalkeeper error, which led to the Dutch getting that third one to make it 3-2. You just have to take, you have to take your moments against the Dutch. The only chance I give the Czech Republic, the same chance I gave to Austria, they have to score first. You have to put these big teams on notice. Cause listen, if that Austria goal had stood up against Italy, I think we're talking about Austria beating Italy here in the round of 16, because I don't think the Italians had much answers for, for what was happening on the field. And then Austria could have dropped 11 people back behind the ball. Czech Republic could do the same. So I just think the Dutch have to come out and play on the front foot. And I think they will. The two lines I'm looking at is the over the, the, the results and the over under. So Netherlands win an over two and a half goals plus 150 and Netherlands win an under two and a half goals plus 290. The value there is obviously better for the under. I could see a two zero win for the Dutch. I think Czech are going to be pretty, I think they're going to be pretty conservative. I get a lot of sense if, if they know they're outmatched, they're going to try to get to zero, zero at half and then make some tactical adjustments at halftime and try to steal it just like Austria did today. And they almost pulled it off, but didn't, I could see that happening. I could see them frustrating the Dutch in a way that maybe the Dutch haven't been frustrated yet. And then the Dutch go on and they honestly, similar to Italy, just have the depth can bring on superstars off the bench and that will ultimately prove to be the difference in the end. So I could see, I, I, if I, and maybe I should bet on this just so you guys know that I'm certain on this, <laughs> but a Netherlands win and under two and a half goals at plus 290 seems like some good value. So that's where I'd kind of look at it from a betting perspective. Uh, Belgium versus Portugal. I mean, anything specific there that you have from <laughs> us changed? I mean, I know you guys did your bracket with the round of 16 and we all know what you picked and what you talked about, but I mean, it, the big game, this is a big game, big time matchup here tomorrow, three o'clock Eastern. Yeah. So this is a big one. And I think what I like about Belgium is that they already know who they are. They know who their best 11 is. Now it's just a matter of whether these guys are healthy. And I'm kind of looking at Kevin De Bruyne in particular, Eden Hazard. When they're healthy, Roberto Martinez, the manager, does an excellent job of everybody knows their roles. They know what they're expected to do. And now they just have to go out there and perform. Now, of course, that's a blanket statement that could be used for any manager in any team. But when I look at Portugal, I'm not convinced that their manager, Fernando Santos, knows who their best 11 is. And that gives me some concern. Plus, they've been bleeding goals. So here, I actually am a little bit more certain on a couple bets here. I think over two and a half goals plus 105 is really, really good value. And I say that because every single game that Portugal has played in the group stages has been over two and a half goals. We know that Belgium are going to score. This Portuguese team has been bleeding goals to, to, to everybody they've played. And obviously they're in the group of death, but they were still give. Oh, they didn't give up a goal, I guess, to Hungary. But, but outside of that, you know, to the teams that have some qualities similar to Belgium, they give up a lot of goals. That said, I really like this one. And I guess make sure you write this down. Belgium to come back and win or draw plus 380. Ooh. I found this one, and, and this is really good value, Lisa, because Portugal had the lead in all three of their group stage games, and they only won once. Okay, so they have a tendency of getting the early lead and then giving that up. So you have that, that theme going on from a Portugal perspective. And then for Belgium, yes, they won all three of their group games, but the one team that was really going to give them some trouble was Denmark. Okay, when you saw it before the games were even played, Denmark was going to be the team that gave them some trouble. Finland, first time ever in the Euros, never. They beat them 2-0. Russia to start the tournament, 3-0 in favor of them. But when they played against Denmark, who came out and high-pressed them, Denmark scored first. 
And then Belgium found a way to get back into the game. Most notably, Kevin De Bruyne coming off the bench to get a goal and an assist. I could see that playing out. Those two themes kind of playing in conjunction. And I just say that to you guys because it's hard sometimes to find some good value and to find some themes that we're already seeing emerge in a particular tournament or a particular game or, or with a team throughout a season. But this one I found really interesting. And plus 380 is tremendous value. It, that's a great value. I mean, it, if I was a betting woman, I would go with that one. Uh, I'm not <laughs> right now. I'm not going to do this one today. Um, but I, I do like those values. And anything can happen in these sure. round of 16. And it's the knockout stages. And these teams know this. They're putting everything on the line to go forward. Um, it really exciting matchups tomorrow. I love that it just keeps going. It keeps rolling, Jimmy. Know, we, never know, we never stop. We never stop. Well, thanks for joining us. Final thoughts. Anything else you want to add today? No, I'm excited that the round of 16 started. I really love must-win games. I love to yeah. see how players and teams uh, react in those situations. And it's not like a Champions League where it's a two-legged affair. It's a one-off. You got to show up when this whistle blows or you don't and you're going home. And I like those stakes. So I'm glad it's going to continue for the next couple of days. I'm glad we're going to start to get into it for the Copa America as well. And then, of course, when these are all done, we got the Gold Cup here for CONCACAF and we got the Olympics. And it then the season ends. starts over all over. Again. It's amazing. It and I love ends. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I bleed it. Uh, I sleep it. And um, I'm glad that I get to do it with, with you and Luis, Lisa. It is so wonderful. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. Thank you. A big thanks to Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. I want to make sure you all follow us on Twitter at Pod and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, CBS Sports, and the CBS Sports app. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for us, leave them in the comment section on Apple Podcasts. More recaps to come tomorrow for the round of 16. Thanks so much for listening. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.